1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per
0: line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom lot cooler than it has been. Highs of only 60 today, but warming tomorrow. Highs of 68 after a rainy start Saturday and Sunday. Looking at highs of 72 on Saturday, 76 on Sunday. So spring is definitely... If not here, it's knocking on the door. We wanted to talk about today being Leap Day and why we do it every four years. And we're looking for somebody to, to talk to about this and talk with about this. And when I saw that a guy had written a book called How to Teach Quantum Physics to Your Dog, I said, you know what? That's our guy. That's who we want to talk to And with that, we welcome in Chad Orzell, professor and chair of the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Union College and the author of five books about science for non-scientists, including How to Teach Quantum Physics to Your Dog and A Brief History of Timekeeping. How are you doing, professor? Good. Thanks for having me on. I know you could teach, according to your book, apparently quantum physics to your dog, but do you think you could teach it to me? You know, I, I can try. Yeah, that's what I think. You, you do best to just try because I think you dog my grasp it easier than I do. So, Let's talk about leap day. How, how do we get here? What are the historical context for this? Why do we do this every four years? The basic reason
1: that, that we do this is that uh, a year right from the longest day of one year to the longest day of the next year is not actually an integer number of days, uh, it's a little bit longer than 365 days, and so uh, it's hard to, you can't make a calendar that, that is uh, perfect, always the same length year. Uh, and people have known this for thousands of years. The, uh, the Egyptians were one of the first to, to set up a calendar that had sort of fixed length months. And their their year was exactly 365 days. And they saw that over time, the the start date of their calendar was slipping relative to the seasons by, you know, about a day every four years. Um, and they noticed this because the Egyptian civilization lasted for thousands of years. So they had a really long time to watch this play out. And so they noticed that, you know, we could fix this by adding a day every now and then. And that was first implemented by the Romans.
0: You know, time in, in a way is ethereal, but it is certainly very real. And it, I'm just wondering about how did we even go from slithering out of the slime to being aware of the concept of time, if, if that's not too much of a philosophical question, and then actually learning how to measure it? Because it, sometimes the accomplishments of mankind just blow me away when I try to understand the things that I do and can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the concept of time uh, on, a, on a very basic level is, right, it's what keeps everything from happening at once. So, you know, that, that, that arrives very naturally as soon as you start experiencing the world. Um, keeping track of it is uh, basically all you need is, is something that ticks. Right, with something that does a regular, repeated action that you can count. So you, know, you, you swing a, a pendulum back and forth, you can count how many times that, that, that swings back and forth, and use that as a measurement of time. The, the really obvious things in the world that do that kind of thing are the sun, the moon, and, and the stars. Right, so if you you know go outside on a on a day that's that's kind of nice where I am, it's it's gray and dreary right now, so it's not so useful. But you can watch the sun go from rising in the east to setting in the west, and that happens over and over and over. That gives you a way to track the passage of time by counting days, and also to track the time during the course of the day by you know where is the shadow of a stick pointing. All right, if it's pointing due north, then you know it's it's around noon. If it's pointing kind of to the east, then you're Late in the day, and you can tell what's going to happen. Um, And this is a thing that people started doing extremely early in in history. Um, You can also look at when, Professor? Just
0: out of curiosity, like when did they start doing this?
1: You know, it's, it's tough to say because a, a sundial can be uh, incredibly simple, right? Mm-hmm. Literally just a stick hammered in the ground, and that doesn't really leave any trace. But people have, there are, you know, things that are plausibly sundials going back many thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, on a slower time scale, the sun moves on the horizon, right? It rises in the summer, rises north of east and sets north of west. In the winter, rises south of east and sets south of west. And people were tracking that, uh, there's, a, there's a monument in uh, Ireland, the Newgrange Passage Tomb, that is marking the rising position of the sun on the shortest day of the year. It's constructed as this massive artificial hill of, of dirt and stones. And that was built about 5,000 years ago and still functions perfectly to identify the shortest day of the year by, by where the sun is rising on the horizon. So thousands and thousands of years people have been aware of this stuff.
0: So how do you go from that an awareness of the sun and, and a sundial to the concept of what a second is and mechanically keeping track of it?
1: So the easiest way to keep track of time is to is to look at the motion of, of the sun or the moon or, or the stars, but of course that only works if the weather's good, right? So you need some way to uh, to, to track intervals when the weather's lousy or it's nighttime and things like that. Um, the earliest things that people did was they, they made water clocks. Basically, you just take a container, you put a small hole in the bottom of it, fill it with water, and then measure You know, every time it drains all the way out, you count that as one unit and you know and refill it and start over um and that works really well uh for for timekeeping that was actually the state of the art in timekeeping for a couple thousand years and then um You know, that that runs into some problems if you're in the northern hemisphere because water tends to freeze in the winter. So you need something that's going to work when it's too cold to to run a water clock. And people started playing around with uh, the motion of objects. And uh, first uh, things sort of just weights sort of twisting back and forth, driven by gears. And then eventually pendulums uh, swinging back and forth that are more regular, more controllable. And uh, that gets you to mechanical clocks.
0: So, again, let me take a break, and maybe you can keep in mind that I'm probably not as smart as your dog, but you can try to explain to me how then they came up with the concept of a second, and from that a minute, and then an hour, and then a day, then we got to months and years, and then we found out eventually, that, or they found out eventually that— Well, it's not exactly 365, so every fourth year we have to make an adjustment or add an extra day in. Chad Orzell is our guest, professor and chair of the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Union College and the author of five books about science for non-scientists, including A Brief History of Timekeeping. All of those are available on Amazon, Professor, and any other ways to get them?
1: As my publisher tells me to say, wherever you buy books.
0: Wherever you buy books. All right. Uh, They look like fun reads. 721 Traffic Now, Wwl 7.26 and a half, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to Chad Orzel, a professor and chair of the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Union College in Schenectady, right, Professor? That's right. And the author of five books about science for non-scientists, including A Brief History of Timekeeping. And how do we go from um, a sundial to and, and water dripping and, and so forth to actually – quantifying seconds that turn into minutes, that turn into hours, that turn into days, that turn into into months and then years. How does all of that get organized like that? That just amazes me that humans were able to do this.
1: So there's a couple of things that happen. Uh, one is, is that you know, people can track the motion of uh, stars and the sun and the moon and so forth through the sky, uh, pretty accurately over the the course of a night. And you can subdivide uh, the the night that way, right? You can say it takes you know this much time for a star to go from the eastern horizon to the western horizon, and then you know divide that up into into pieces. And people built these very detailed star maps, and so they knew you know it's there's this much time between this one and that one uh, rising and setting and so on. So you can start subdividing things that way. Um, people didn't have a really reliable like portable version of the second until uh, probably the late 1600s mm-hmm. uh, when people started to make really accurate mechanical clocks um, so you know time was a, a little flexible up until then um, the interesting thing is all the the leap year business happens well before that uh, at times when people could really only keep, Time accurately to you know hours, kind of kind of time, and and the reason that happens is that the time scale over which they're measuring things is very very long. So you know the Egyptians implemented this this 365-day calendar, and then they had like you know 2,800 years of continuous civilization, over which to see that it drifts relative to the seasons, uh, and that that you need a correction factor. The Romans put in the ancestor of the current leap year system the, uh, with the Julian calendar, or right around the BC AD transition. And, um, you know, that ran for 1,500 years before it was replaced by the Gregorian calendar. So, again, you've got a lot of time to see that, that there's a small error in the number of, year, of days you're putting in a year that you can correct by, by adding a leap year rule or correcting the leap year rule.
0: If we did not have a leap day, if we did not have a February 29th every four years, what would happen to the calendar? How off would we get and how quickly would it get to, get to be that far off?
1: It would drift by about a day every every four years, so you know it would take you know um, you know after a decade or so you'd start to notice that you know okay well this really ought to be the start of summer but it's still kind of uh, you know still still very spring like uh, you know after a, a century or so then it's then you're like yeah okay these these you know the fourth of July is not happening in the summer it's happening in in the wrong time of year. And and then things would get get really weird. Now that's what happened to the Egyptians. Um, you know, and they they noticed that, and they just sort of kept track of it. I can't wait. And so they have good records on that.
0: I'm sorry, professor. I can't, I appreciate your time, and I can't wait to read your books. They all look fun. A history of brief uh, brief, a brief history of timekeeping. Breakfast with Einstein. Eureka, uh, how to teach relativity to your dog and how to teach quantum physics to your dog. Hey, hey, real quick, we are a minute late. I'll warn news, I'm going to be a minute late here. But as a physicist, do you ever just marvel at the things that we take for granted every day and don't realize what, what, the development that we've made as a species?
1: Absolutely. It's it's stunning the things that we've been able to uh, accomplish as, you know, basically, you know, uh, uh, jumped up monkeys from, you know, the savannas of Africa. Because it's so hard it's enough incredible. to go
0: back and figure it out now, right? Let alone discover it in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's, it's incredible the things that people have been able to accomplish.
0: And, and just
1: by sort of being curious about things and tinkering around and seeing what works.
0: And being smart can't hurt either, like yourself. Thank you, Professor. Have a good Leap Day. You too. All right, we'll take a break, come back, talk to Dave Newman, owner of Concealed Carry Knoll about things you need to know if you're gonna carry a gun. Back in a flash, WWL. We really
1: need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch